This is Salty Believer Unscripted. I'm Josiah Walker. I'm Brian Catherine. And on today's episode, we're continuing in our series through Systematics Theology. And today we're going to be looking at what is creation. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm pretty sure that's next. It is. I've, I've, I've come to grips with a reality here that our listeners probably have already been feeling. Okay. I think we're kidding ourselves trying to teach systematic theology in a 20-minute stretch over a whole topic that people write entire seminary courses on. Are you saying there's too much to cover in 20 minutes? I'm saying we are... Here's the deal. So Wayne Grudem went through his systematic theology at Scottsdale Bible Church. You can find this. All those resources are out there, right? It's 118 one-hour lectures. Right. Uh, through his systematic theology that we're trying to go through in these little snippets. In 20, 20 minute lectures. Yeah, and, and just <laughs> barely scratching the surface. Uh, Kevin DeYoung has got a systematic theology at the, I think he's at Reformed Covenant, Seminary. something. Covenant, I don't know where yeah. he's at. But he he's uh, teaching in a seminary setting, and they're two hour lectures each, and it's this huge thing. And all these systematic resources are out there. People can buy the books, people can. Take, I mean, they can go to all kinds of free online stuff, and we have plenty of links listed on the website. So if you really wanted to learn systematic theology, this little podcast is not the right avenue for it. Okay. And here's the thing. So the only people that are tuning in just want to hear where all the, the hot buttons are, the landmines. They want to know what we think anyway, right? Yeah, probably. So if we're going to share anything, we should just assume that people are finding the systematic theology resources elsewhere. Maybe they buy the book, like right, twenty basic sure. yeah. uh, Christian beliefs, twenty basic, uh, twenty basics every Christian should know by Wayne Grudem, or they go to Calvin's Institutes, or they go to Millard Erickson, or they go to wherever. We, I think, our listeners could do that if they wanted to. Well, I understand that, but we're already like five episodes in here. I say we either uh, give it a new title and move forward, or we just bag it, or. Uh, those are the options. <laughs> I just don't think we can do it. Who are we kidding ourselves? Well, I get it, yeah. You're I getting mean, ready it's... to take Systematic Theology 1 in seminary, sure. and then 2, and you're going to read thousands of pages, yeah. listen to hours and hours and hours of some guy lecturing, which is a good thing and a very helpful thing, and we think we're going to do it in 20 minutes. So I'll give you that. I mean, and I've tried to do this before. It's a small little book. I mean, it takes, Wayne Groom takes his huge book down, and we've talked about that before. But it's super concise. But, yeah. Then you should probably go look at the scriptures. Okay. You okay with that? Sure. Plus, all anybody wants to know is where we stand on all the spicy positions, right? Well, then maybe we should go back through the last episodes and talk about all the hot buttons of all those topics. Okay. Fire away. What's the list? <laughs> uh, so wait, wait. We need a new title. Uh, for this series? For the whole series. Landmines and Systematic Theology? Landmines and Systematic Theology. I like it. Perfect. Clickbait. That's okay. what we're doing. All right. Well, if you're listening well. and you wanted to learn all things Systematic Theology, there's a bunch of links to other resources including theological links in the book sections and on saltybeliever.com. And if you turn this on to listen to what is creation, this isn't going to be it. Right. So, I guess we'll do... <laughs> yeah. <mind's> <laughs> Sorry, totally, totally <laughs> off. Okay, what was the first, first one? First six episodes revisited. Okay. Uh, the first thing we talked about in our first episode was what is systematic theology? Okay. Are there landmines there? That's got to be yeah. easy. That's pretty no, straightforward. No, there are landmines there. Uh, and I don't know how much this has gotten worked out, but there are some folks who are just adamantly opposed to the idea of systematic theology oh. and only want to push into something like biblical theology. And they go, oh, okay. you shouldn't do systematic theology. 
you know, you only have to do this is what the Bible says and whatever it says. And the irony is we all do systematic True. theology, right? We do. Oh, what does right. the Bible say about? And when you ask that question, that systematic theology. Because you're just studying the Bible systematically. But you can't even hardly make an argument against systematic theology without using systematics. But I do understand the idea. The idea says, hey, there's a, there's a risk, and we've probably done it. There's a risk that when you're surveying the whole Bible, you're not getting the real clear context. So if you're looking at, you know, who is the Holy sure. Spirit, and you're in the Old Testament, there maybe isn't as much revealed, it's a little bit more difficult, you might be imposing ideas from the New Testament on the Old Testament. That's what they'd say. I get that. So, hey, don't do this, don't... And some people get so wound up about systematic theology, but they've never actually read their Bible in chronological order, so they don't really know how it all... Act. So they have all the parts, well. and they don't know how it all fits together. And so some th- people just say, all you need is the Bible. Right. Like, we don't need canons. But we don't is, need systematic but what theology. Does that mean? We just need the Bible. But what does that mean? They're making a claim that's difficult, and we see in the Bible other... I mean, so, yeah, there are landmines in the question, what is systematic theology? Jeez. You'll probably get that when you first open your... Uh, when you first go to your first lecture yeah. in your class, in the or the systematic theology professor will not go there. But these are legitimate... These are legitimate issues within the field of studying theology. That's okay. the landmine. So, right. obviously, I'm okay with systematic theology. We wouldn't have started the podcast, but I really enjoy biblical theology. Looking at, right. I really enjoy historical theology. They're I'm, all, I'm of the camp. All these things are tools that I was help. Say, us. yeah, they're all like tools in our toolbox that can assist us. Do you? So, so. When, when you're thinking about this kind of stuff, though, at your stage, you're probably more inclined to go to systematic type approaches. Probably. What yeah. does the Bible say about blank? And honestly, that's probably what people in the church are doing. What does the Bible say about money? What does the Bible say but about what God is like? A lot of this stuff can go hand in hand too, because uh, historical theology can help kind of speak into issues that you're dealing with. Absolutely. No. So yeah. all those are good tools, but okay. those are the landmines. I don't know if there's more. There's probably if you hey, if you're listening and you know the landmines, you have an issue with systematic theology or something else, then. I guess reach out to saltybeliever.com, go to the website, find the contact thing, let me know. And that'll be the case for all of them. What's next? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm just feeling right. really spicy. No, I think I, I had... This is good. Hot sauce was a little hot <laughs> at hot lunch today. On the, on the tacos. Um, okay, here's an easy one. Where do we start? That's pretty straightforward. There's no landmines in where do we start. I think we talked about the landmines in that episode. Well... Yeah, Didn't we? Do yeah, you start with some, God? Yeah. Right. Do you start with God? Do you start with the Bible? Or is that not circular? Didn't you feel this pain? Like, wait, yeah. how do you do this? No, and that how was one of the that? first things I got asked by somebody once when I told them I was a pastor. Well, how can you trust the Bible? And I just said, this is my starting point. This is my, well, so we didn't even get into it, but you could start with kind of a philosophical approach that uses uh, foundational principles. Say, so, okay, is there any foundational knowledge in the world that is uh, self-proving? Okay, the Bible tells us uh, which, again, I'm turning to the Bible, but even if we didn't go to the Bible, there are arguments that say there must be a creator, there must be a first mover, so we could go to some of those things. There, and and then, then the next uh, level of information builds on those first principles, right? right. So, so we could say, okay, something had to create this, so we're going to explore all possible avenues, yeah. all, and then based on... That kind of stuff we end up with, and we get to these various places. That's what philosophers have been doing for thousands of years. Sure. We've been blessed to have special revelation, the Bible. We've been blessed to have the Holy Spirit help us. And so that's why we, when we're doing systematic theology, 
um, we either start with God, the the speaker, right, or the revelation. Sure. So yeah, there's there's some potential landmines there, and there's some people who just argue you can't do any of this. You have to start with whatever. I don't know. Right. And uh, then that, first principles. And in that, I think we talked about that too, as far as like general revelation and special revelation. Yeah. I think you you know kind of I don't, on that there too. I don't think there's too many landmines to this. I would say the classical approaches to to theology is either you start with the Bible or you start with God. I don't think I don't think there's a yeah. lot of other that would be the classical approach. Yeah. And so landmines maybe I think that's just the hot topic of like people are really opinionated on where they start. Um, I don't even know very many people that are that opinionated on that. I know one guy that had a different view than me that, you know... And Start with God and right. do whatever, okay. But, I don't know. Whatever. I don't think that one's... I one. think that comes down to preference, mostly. This like, probably was spicy at some other point in history. Sure. If we went to historical theology, we could probably right. find out how this played out. I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay. Maybe in the early church when they're still trying to figure out the canon, right? Which was next on our list, canon. Oh, how do, how do we get the Bible? Yeah, Where did it come from? how do you from? determine canon? So, I'll drop one for you. Um, for the longest time, but he came to a different view in the end of his life, Martin Luther did not think the book of James should appear in the canon. I remember that. Right? So, oh, what do we do with that? He's right. Martin Luther. How do we handle that? Or, uh, we talked some about the Apocrypha. Um, so, I think there's some... I, I don't think a lot of our listeners would find that to be a hot button, but if you're Catholic... Sure. You have the Apocrypha right. as Scripture listed in your Bible. Right. I don't think we talked about Mormons. They no. have an open canon, and they've sure. added uh, the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, the Doctrine and Covenants, yeah. all to Scripture, and they have right. a bigger canon. I don't remember if we talked about that or not. Um, but they don't have the Apocrypha. But they, they don't have, have other books. They don't have the Apocrypha, but they've determined that those other things are... Yeah. Our scripture. I don't right. know how much we talked about open canon versus closed canon, meaning right. can you keep adding? Right. Which that's, I mean, that's the Mormon, the LDS take is these prophets are speaking in the same power, validity, trustworthiness as scripture was written. Sure. Uh, I don't hold that. Do you hold open no, I, canon, I, I, closed canon? Closed canon is for me. <laughs> okay, yeah. just check it. So, um, but what else a, would be there? I'm just thinking through. I'm just thinking through like how we got to canon, and I think people either. Just assume it's always been this way, or they don't put a lot of thought into it. And we kind of touched on this in that episode, but just thinking through, there was a time when the canon was coming together. Like all these books were just together all it, the time. It was yeah, there were individual all, scrolls. They were identifying which so, books were scripture, you know. breathed out by God, and which weren't. Hey, you know what else falls into this? And we don't think about it too much. But a popular guy a while back, and different people say different things, but he made a statement that got everybody all riled up. They said we should just unhitch ourselves from sure. the Old Testament. Yep. So I think if you're talking about what is Scripture, why is yeah. it, how does it fit together, and someone goes, ah, we don't need the Old Testament, yeah. just throw it out. I'm a New Testament Christian. I don't need this. Yeah, so that would that would be a landmine yeah. there. I mean, we're not we're not digging into these too much because no. we're just doing an overview. But I, just, but. I think it's fine, too, because a lot of us will put, I know people will put a ton of weight into Revelation, right? That's, oh, yeah. They're just focused on that one book. And it's funny because I don't think they understand that that book almost didn't become part of the canon. Right. You know? There was a lot, there was of, a lot of thought was, into this. That one was a toughie to determine if it was truly of God. Yeah. Also, it wasn't that people were just picking. We want these books, right. don't want these ones. They were trying to identify. It was a thought process. Who wrote them? Is this from yeah. God? Why do we have it? So. There's a lot that goes into that. Yeah, We didn't even get into things like translation. There's a lot of debate sure. with that. Oh, Some yeah. people say if you don't read the 1611 New King James, you don't read an inspired Bible, and therefore everything you read is lies or I, whatever. You, I've heard of that, you know, King James only is. And then today I was 
Facebook had all these suggestions on groups I might want to be a part of, and there was an NIV only list. Is that a thing? <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, is that a is that a joke? I don't know. <laughs> I, I thought it was a joke, and then I thought maybe these guys are serious. Like NIV, that's well, the only sacred so translation. I get sometimes I get stuff like that when so we preach out of the CSB here, Christian sure. Standard Bible, for a variety of reasons, readability. We made choices for the church, right? Right. That doesn't mean that's my favorite and I love it and everything. Sure. People are like, oh, you should love it because this guy uses that. No, I. it's just a translation. But right. some people really take yeah. that very seriously. And so sometimes we act similar to others. I mean, there's a there's kind of a thing with the ESV. I think I wouldn't be surprised right. if we see in 10, 15, 20 years an ESV-only group. Well, it feels like people just really get locked into translation. Rather than really looking at how blessed we are to have multiple translations. And I use and multiple translations. Yes. I look at all of them to kind of, that's a tool to help me understand maybe how right. some translators translated words over others. By the way, I like the ESV a lot. Yeah. I just don't really ever want to find myself in a this translation over that translation only group. My my New Testament professor, Dr. Kuykendall, is telling us all the time, we are blessed. We have these translations. A lot of them are free on the internet. Like, use them. Like, utilize them. them. Yeah. And they all have sort of different efforts and purposes. And But so. I, that's kind of the same. Those are, some, those are some things that play out in the discussion of the canon and our right. Bible that still play out today that we don't even think about. Exactly. When someone tells you, oh, the King James is the only one, and if you don't really read that... Then you're not listening to the Holy Spirit or something like that. That's right. you're saying the King James is the canon. And how do you standard. come to that point of view when it wasn't written right. in English? So what about so. anybody before that? Right. What about whatever? whatever? The whole point of Those all are these hot things, buttons, right? Is to get us to find out what is God like, which was our next topic. What is God like? So we went to that one. What is oh the attributes of God. the attributes of God? Right? Hot buttons there. Oh, think, oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I know one, but what were you going to say? I just think a lot of times people today want to put their own attributes or determine who God is and then work their Bible and their faith around Ooh, it. Ooh, that's pretty good. I wouldn't worship a God that would be like this or right. like that. They want to define what God's like. That's yeah. that's a real issue. Yeah. That's a real issue. Uh, I was going to throw out there when we sort of miss some of the attributes of the biblical God, it's easier to say things like, well, we become... A God ourselves, or we're little gods, or yeah. uh, okay, well, God is eternal, right? So that means He had no beginning. Some people would say, well, and so if you, if you to become a God would be to become a God like man's standard of God, right? But the only God that we have is eternal, so that's our definition of God. That would be kind of a hot button. You I think, could become, a, especially in our context. Well, I think the hot button really is is that you we kind of and we don't realize it, but we create. Uh, Graven images and idols out of becoming what God, you know, we, by creating right. the God we want we God to be. We create a God. We create a God rather than looking at who God and is. And letting him say, this is who I, I am. I heard a pastor once say, you know, I hear these people talk about God and, and this and that. And I think, well, I don't believe in that God either. Like, I couldn't believe in that God. And it's people that are sharing who God is based on doctrine, based on his word, based on, you know. Right. So we need to let so, God say who God is. Right. And then he shows us these attributes. Yeah. Um. I think, I think that would be. I'm just trying to think where the spicy parts of that podcast could have landed. I, I, don't I, know. I think it's just that hatred. How can God hate anybody? Oh, right? that's we, a good we dealt one. with that topic this week. We, that's a good one. God oh, doesn't I hate anybody. I wouldn't worship a God who hates anyone. Okay, what about Psalm 11:5? He hates the wicked and right. those who love violence. Right. Right. Or 
Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Oh, well, he, sure. no, he, de- no, it's, okay, so. It's not hate in this way, it's hate in this way. Oh, is he all powerful? Well, no. Is this, <laughs> is he all knowing? No, all yeah. knowing. I mean, a hot button there yeah. is if you think God looked down the halls sure. of time to choose those who would choose him, there was a moment right. in time when he didn't know something. Right. So you have to balance, like, how do we understand these attributes? I think that might be kind of a yeah. hot button. Has there ever been a time when God didn't have information and he was surprised to learn right. something? Then he's not all-powerful. He's not sovereign. He's not all-knowing. Like, I don't know. That's I, terrible. I haven't put a lot of thought into this. I just know that Sure. I don't know what those hot buttons are. I, I here's know. the deal. If you know, if you're listening, yeah. go ahead and send us a me- I mean, that forum, that communication topic, saltyweaver.com, go to the contact me yeah. and Let's fill out all your... Man, I, there was a comment on uh, the church's YouTube post. I preached yeah. a sermon. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's long. Somebody was I'm like, ooh, this guy's hot about this. And the irony is I said in the sermon, like, we do gymnastics to try to find our way to get out from underneath yeah. this text. And then the comment is literally the guy doing gymnastics to figure out how to get up. Out from right. underneath this thing. These are hot button things. So if you well, got a hot button thing, I guess we'll take a look. Well, how about the Trinity? Oh goodness. Speaking <laughs> of God, okay. And the Trinity itself is a hot button. Do you remember? I mean, I'm letting the cat out of the bag. I think we talked about this in that episode. Time but. goes by between. It's been a while since we recorded. Sure. Did we talk about all the heretical ways? I think, that, yeah, we did. We did. Okay, yeah. so that's a. That makes some people mad. When you say, no, God is really not like water. What? That's my favorite. That's how I came to Christ. Right. Like, I've had somebody ask me, is it really so bad to tell the kids that, you know, the Trinity is like an egg or like water? Like, I'm What's just trying problem? to help them. What's the but problem? But what you don't realize is that is teaching modalism. And then there are pastors who are celebrity pastors who are famous, who are well-known, that teach that stuff. And you don't even realize they're teaching you modalism. Unless you know that. A heresy, <laughs> a heresy condemned, right. right? Like, okay. Decades ago, centuries ago. So when it comes to the Trinity, that is certainly a hot-button topic yeah. that we might not realize. Or a or, landmine. A landmine. That's what we're calling it, right? A landmine. Landmine. Or that there is no Trinity. There are a lot okay. of who believe there isn't a Trinity. Or or in their arguing, they might think they believe the Trinity and argue right. themselves out of it. But we, have, so. we live in a context full of... I mean, the LDS yeah. does not hold of the Trinity. No. Latter-day Saints, the, the Mormons, right. they don't hold of a view of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Jehovah's Witnesses view to, uh, uh, hold of a view so. of the Trinity. So what? those are going to be landmine issues, yeah. right? Those are going to be things that... For them, it's you know how you refer to God. Like I had a Jehovah's Witness friend who always said, Okay, thank you for praying for me, but if you're going to pray for me, say Jehovah. Right. Only call God Jehovah. Which that's also a very complicated matter because when right. it comes to Greek language, we there's a lot of evidence that sure. that's, that's not the pronunciation but, of... Yahweh might be close, but even then, the Tetragrammaton might not even be Yahweh. I just it, whether it's always a landmine or just kind of just feeding in preconceived motions or ideas, I think into things. Or how about this? Since we're talking about the Trinity, um, do you have to understand and confess the Trinity to be a Christian? Is that a, essential to salvation issue? I wouldn't say it's essential to salvation, but you're not going to have a right understanding of who God is. So so then, what do you do about somebody you baptize who doesn't understand it? Or do you not? I, I don't know. I think it's important, but I think there are going to be people in heaven who didn't have a right understanding who didn't of get, God. Like the, guy, the thief on the cross, did, right. he, did he understand yeah. that? Right. I, I think it's one of those things that as you learn, you can't deny it. But as you're trying to make sense of it, you need to be okay with right. it. So like my daughter, at the time of the recording, she's eight. She's asking really good questions about the Trinity. Yeah, and and working it out like okay, 
She'll confess, yes, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, uh, the Father is God. Um, the Father is not the Holy Spirit, the Father is not Jesus, like all that stuff, right? Jesus is not the Father, Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father, the Holy right. Spirit. She's got that. She can sure. say all that, she gets right. it, and she's not even just regurgitating. She'll agree, no, Jesus isn't the Father. Yeah. But then what kills her is, things like, I mean, one time she asked me, why do we call Jesus the Son if the Father and the Son are eternal? They've always been alive the same length of infinite right. time. Sure. How is one called a son and one called... She struggles with that. Which, She's like, shouldn't they be called brothers? That's a good point. But there's a certain role in a relationship and, that's being conveyed. But she doesn't... She's eight. But she's thinking through big... So how, what do we do with stuff like that? Absolutely. And along those lines, there is that uh, landmine or hot topic thing where some would say that Jesus was created. And oh not, yeah, you know, which that's a that's a heretical and, position. Yeah. If you say yeah. that, you're denying what the Bible teaches, right. and that was condemned by councils, right. right? So there are some of the LDS Church would say he was a great being rather than he was begotten. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are some. I think uh, I'm trying to think of some other. Is it Oneness Pentecostals? Yeah. Do you like? I, I think, think they're so. into modalism, like that's yeah. all the one, but yeah. different modes. Different modes. Um, so. Yeah, these are. I mean, these are issues yeah. that play out. I think the biggest issue is how much we don't really think. Oh, I'll give you. Oh, I just thought of one. Uh, I was sitting with one of the one of the families in our church. We were at their house doing discipleship. One of those young men is in your youth. We're going through the, the pericopes that are in your youth. Oh, nice. Do we have time for this? Sure. Are you sure? Well, yeah. I mean, we were going to talk about what is creation. So now any we have all the time. <laughs> okay, let's let's so. throw that into the next podcast. Where? Let's see. Let's see if I can find this. Where are you guys right now? Where? Let's see. The whole. I'm sending I think we're in like John helper, 14. If you're going, sending through. another helper. Yeah, John so 14. So we were we were studying. We were just using the. The uh, you know observation, uh, interpretation, application method. We were kind of using some of the stuff from. You could use coma. You could do sure. whatever. Uh, uh, living by the book, Howard Hendricks, that kind of stuff. The bookmark we use here. Anyway, we're going through it, and we discovered as we were going through that. Again, now I can't find it, and I'm trying to get to my. I'm having a hard time turning pages. Uh, we discovered that you can dis- you can see that Jesus dwells in us. There's scripture. Mm-hmm. You can see the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And then the verse we were looking at implied that the Father lives in us. Is it right here? Let's see. The Father, uh, John 14, let's see, 8, 9. I'm skimming. Uh, Is that where I am? Uh, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me... Does his works believe in me? I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Let's see. Where does this carry on? Where is it higher up? Uh, if you know me, I'm hunting for this. Anyway, the the text is talking about how we also have yeah. the same relationship with the Father. The whole chapter 14. Is Maybe about it's down that. here in the bottom. Yeah. I will not, oh, I will not leave you as orphans. There it yeah. is. 18. I will not. I'm just sorry. I'm just wasn't prepared for this. Uh, in a little while. The, um, sorry, this kay. is unscripted. It's very unscripted. Where is that? Oh, here we go. Let's see. 21. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. I also will love him and reveal myself to him. I'm just still skimming. That wasn't what I was. If you love me, you'll keep my word. I have spoken these. Oh, 25. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you because the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and Remind you of everything. Man, I'm lost here. Here's yeah. the idea, though. As we were reading through this chapter, yeah. we realized that the Father also dwells in us. 
which yeah. makes sense, right? So you have this idea of Jesus, I'm in Jesus, Jesus is in me. Right. That's what he says in that text. Holy Spirit comes and is is in yeah. me, and then there's a sense the Father's in me. So what we have now is not just just ask Jesus into your heart and that's the end of it. Or right. only the Holy Spirit is with me and someday I'll see Jesus. Right. Or, hey, I have Jesus, but I don't have the Father. We have, we have the Trinity. Yeah. Right? So that. Well, and Jesus makes it abundantly clear. If you've seen him or know him, you know the Father. Right. You know? Anyway, so. that, so, okay, these are the past podcasts we've Sweet. gone through. What's What are we supposed to go to next? Uh, creation. Creation. So. Maybe we should. No uh, landmines there, I'm sure. No, we're out of time. We should make that a, a separate podcast, and there's a lot of landmines when we start getting into these topics. All right. Well. Have we covered it? I think so. That, that brings us back up to speed. So I guess turn in next time when we'll talk about creation and kind of see what landmines are in there and go from there. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Find more information at saltybeliever.com.